Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast. I'm your host, AJ, and I'm so glad that you're joining me today. Hey, I'm going to start a brand new teaching series today. This is definitely going to be part one of a new series today, and I'm thankful that you're listening here. If you're a first-time listener, thank you so much for joining me today. I know you're going to be blessed. If you've been listening a couple episodes or how many ever episodes you've been joining me here on the Faith for My Generation podcast, I thank you. Thank you for being a part of the podcast family, and uh, I pray that the Lord richly bless you through this ministry and through these teachings. Uh, after all, it's His Word, and the Holy Spirit, the Master Teacher, is going to reveal to you uh, deep and hidden truths in the Word of God that's going to come alive in your spirit and your soul. Change your life. That's what I'm believing God for, for you. And I just want to go ahead and jump into this new topic that we're going to be covering today and most definitely next week. Part 1 of this episode or this series, part one, Him We Preach. The title of this series is Him We Preach. This is part one of Him We Preach. We're going to begin in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. Um, just as a little bit of backstory, um, the church I pastor at, Gospel Tabernacle Church, we have men's Bible study um, every Saturday. And we have prayer and Bible study. And so we come together. We have the prayer room here at Gospel Tabernacle Church. Which, by the way, if if you're not following the church I pastor at, find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. We're all there. Subscribe. Hear all the teachings that we do here. It's myself, as well as the founding and senior pastor. And also, I'm proud to say, my father, Pastor Leon. Uh, you can hear everything that's going on, see everything that's going on here. And if you're local in the Lawrence area, hey, come join us. I'll save a seat for you. I'd love to have you. But nonetheless, every Saturday we have men's prayer and Bible study. And we start off with like individual prayer, you know, just praying to ourselves, praying to the Lord individually. And then we come together and pray together and then go do Bible study. So it was during that time of individual prayer, I'm praying through this prayer guide that my father made for praying for the service, you know, how to pray for a service. And it goes, it's like 15, 20 different bullet points with scriptures. And I like to pray with prayer guides. I like having outlines. You know, I've done it for myself. I, I've made a couple of praying for the church, praying for the lost, uh, how, praying the Lord's Prayer. In fact, if you scroll down on the Faith for My Generation podcast, the one you're listening to now, obviously, if you scroll through the episodes, you'll see at the beginning of this year in January, I did 12 teachings in a series called When You Pray. If you haven't listened to that series, I would highly suggest you do that. I'm actually pretty fond of the things that I teach. <laughs> we would hope so, right? Uh, but no, seriously, it was a powerful, it blessed me to teach it. And uh, the people that were part of it, they, they were blessed by it. It's the Word of God. How can you not be blessed when you're studying the Word of God? But it's called When You Pray, uh, teaching on prayer. But a lot of that had to do with how to pray and what prayer is and working through the Bible understanding of prayer. So here I am a few weeks ago, not to get off on a rabbit trail and not come back. A few weeks ago, we're in prayer. I'm praying, and I hit this point, Colossians 1.28, and um, it just exploded in my spirit. I'm sure you've had that happen to you. You know, you'll be reading the Word, you'll be reading your Bible, you'll be praying, and it's just like, man, something just, just went off. 
And so I, I continue to just meditate, as the Bible says, just think about over and over Colossians one twenty eight. Well, then I backed it up. I said, well, like so much of the Bible, it's more than just one verse. Many times when you're reading, you know, in my Bible right here, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, you can see that it's kind of broken up, right? It has headings, and it'll be portions of Scripture together. And so I said, well, let's, let's read the whole passage here. And it's Colossians 1, 24 through 29. And that's where we want to begin today. Let's, let's go ahead. I, long enough intro. Verse 24. It says this. This is Paul writing to the church in Colossus. It says in verse 24, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Verse 26, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 28, Him we preach, warning every man teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Him we preach. So here I am, I'm praying, I hit that verse 28, him we preach. And I've read this before, especially verse 27, that's so powerful, right? To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And then right there, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Man, I've, I've read that so many times. Uh, that's so powerful to understand that. The hope of glory is that Christ dwells in us as Christians. But here I am a few weeks ago, I'm praying, and I hit verse 28. Him we preach. Wow. And it just hit me. just blew, blew up in my spirit. Him we preach. I mean, I must, I must have just prayed that, those three words, a dozen or two times. Him we preach. Simple, right? Christ. Him. Christ. Christ we preach. Simple. It's simple. But here I, I just, Him we preach. Praise God. Amen, Lord. Him we preach. We preach Christ. Him we preach. And so that's what I want to talk about today from this passage is, Him we preach. We preach Jesus Christ. In fact, I have more of a, I guess you might say a a formal uh, writing here to give you the key point, the main understanding of what I'm talking about. I wrote this. As a Christian, you and I have Christ in us. And this is the hope of glory. And the solution to the problems of a sin-sick world. Everything you see going on in this world, the solution is Christ. You see wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilence, sickness, disease, the brokenness that sin causes, murders, adulteries, homosexuality, fornication, transgenderism, the, the broken identities of humanity. You see all these problems and the root cause is sin. And the solution is the saving work of Christ Jesus. Having this hope, this gospel, you and I, 
are responsible to God to preach Christ, to proclaim Christ by warning, teaching, and bringing to completion those who believe despite persecution or sufferings. You and I do this by the power of God in us. I want you to think about that. As a Christian, you have a responsibility to tell people about Christ. People will, you know, I, I found this out or got it settled in my spirit, however you want to say it. I came to the conclusion, came to the realization that I have to take ownership of this message of the gospel. I have to take ownership of people are only going to know about Jesus and what is in his word and what he's done if I tell them. And if I don't tell them, they won't know. You might think, well, yeah, AJ, but I mean, what about my pastor? Your pastor's job, according to the Bible in Ephesians chapter 4, is to bring the body of Christ to perfection through the power of the Holy Spirit, by the teaching of the Word, of course. But the job of apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist, Ephesians chapter 4, four the fivefold ministry gifts, those ministry gifts that the Holy Spirit puts in the church, their job is to, as the Bible says, edify or build up and strengthen and disciple and mature the church, the body of Christ, you and me. But the job, the task of winning people to Christ, of winning the lost, of proclaiming Jesus, that is the responsibility of every Christian. So yeah, your pastor is responsible to do that, but just as equally responsible as you and me. You and, you and I are just as equally responsible as any other Christian when it comes to sharing the Word of God. And I believe that once we get through this episode and the episodes to come in this series of Him We Preach, you're going to have a holy boldness come in to your spirit and into your heart to proclaim Christ Jesus. Because here's the truth of it. God has a method and He has a plan to win people to Himself. And He's made it available through His Word. And we are responsible to carry this message that Jesus Christ has come. He died on the cross. He was resurrected from the dead. He's alive and seated at the right hand of the Father. And He's coming back quickly. And you must believe on Him as the risen Son of God and confess Him, Lord, to be saved so that you can enter in to eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's our responsibility. Now, I want us to work through this passage that I just read in Colossians chapter 1. And I've got a couple different points that you'll see here. But the first point I want to make is this. And this may take some time, and that's fine. We've got all the time in the world. But this first point I want you to see is in verse 24. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. And fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Of course, this is Paul. He's writing to the church, the church that this letter is written to in Colossae, you know, and it's going to be shared with Laodicea and all the other churches. You know, the, the, these epistles, epistle means letters. This is a letter to this particular church. But then Paul tells them, hey, go ahead and swap it around with Laodicea, the other church nearby you. We understand I heard, I heard a, I don't even know his name, but here I am, I, you know, I have a TikTok for the purpose of, of, of 
uh, sharing the gospel and sharing the stuff that I do on whether it's Instagram reels and things like that. So I said, well, I'll just put that on TikTok as well. Let me tell you something. You better be careful, my friend, uh, on TikTok because there is so much nonsense on there. Uh, so I, you know, you gotta make sure you you following things that are keep you pure. Amen. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. You know exactly what I'm talking about if you've ever been on that platform. But I see this minister, precious man, you know, count him as a brother in Christ. I don't know him, but he's preaching the gospel. But then he makes this point. Hey, you know, these epistles, they were written to this particular church. They were never meant to be studied out for doctrine. Eh, not true. Not true at all. Unfortunately, I had a that same thought. That's not an uncommon thought among some Christians, that the idea that this letter, Colossians, and I don't want to get too deep in the weeds about this, but I want you to understand that the Bible's written to you. In the book of 2 Peter, by the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Peter says, there is no private interpretation of prophecy. If God speaks through a man, though it may have a practical, specific application to another person, we can always find the biblical principle in it. And that's a hallmark of my ministry. That's a hallmark of what I've seen in my, in my father's ministry and other ministers that I'm connected with. You find the biblical principle. Because God does not change, Malachi 3.6. I'm the Lord God, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Now think about that. Right there is a good example. God, Jehovah, is speaking to Israel in the book of Malachi, or rather through the prophet Malachi, and we have it written down as the book of Malachi. And he says, Israel, you're not consumed. You're still here because I don't change. Well, the biblical principle is God doesn't change. And that's repeated again and again and again, but specifically Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So there's a biblical principle. That message was to the children of Judah. But the biblical principle is God doesn't change. Now, I want to just, I think that's important to note because some people will get here and say, well, you know, that was Paul writing to this church and maybe it's different today. It's no different today. The Word of God and God Himself never change. It is always relevant, and it's for today. So verse 24, I want you to see this. Him we preach in suffering. Now, I know that doesn't, you know, that's probably not the most exciting thing you could ever hear. Him we preach in suffering. <laughs> oh, wow, that's a, that's a great point to start off with, AJ. Let's talk about suffering. <laughs> right? That's not necessarily going to sell uh, one million copies. Him we preach in suffering. Oh, give me ten of them. I want ten of those, yeah. But I want you to see what the Bible's talking about here in verse 24. And, and we're going to make plain what it means, these sufferings or persecutions for Christ Jesus. Because if you're going to tell people about Christ, there will be persecution. I'm just going to shoot straight with you. I'm not going to say there will not be, because how can I say there won't be? How can I say what we might want to hear, which is, I can tell people about Jesus and there'll never be any pushback? Well, I can't say that because Jesus didn't say that. I can't say that because continual witnesses through the Word didn't say that. So if I'm going to be honest, it's this simple. If you're going to stand up for Christ, if you're going to follow Jesus, there's a cost to it. But the cost to living for Jesus and preaching Jesus, and soul winning, and leading people into the kingdom, the cost of doing that work is so small compared to the reward. The cost to following Christ, and whatever that may cost you, is so 
minuscule and small compared to eternal life and the goodness of God in our life now. I mean, the reward of what we get to follow Christ dwarfs the cost of it. And to tell someone about Jesus, maybe they, there's pushback. Look, I, I'm an American. I would imagine, I know not everyone that's listening to the Faith for My Generation podcast is living in the United States of America. And here's the thing, things so quickly change just right to the north of us, our border, Canada. My precious brothers and sisters in Christ in Canada. I got several friends through means of social media that are pastors in Canada that are getting locked up for preaching the word. So persecution's in the earth today. And so I want you to see this. Him we preach in suffering. Verse 24, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. I fill up my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now, if you if you go study this passage out, some commentaries will make the point, and it's true, you should make the point, that uh, Paul's not saying here that the, the suffering of Christ on the cross wasn't enough, so he needed to suffer in addition to it. Rather, what he's saying is, I'm following in likeness of my Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. And just as he was afflicted for this message of truth, so am I. But what does Paul say? I weep in my sufferings. Nope. I'm upset and angry in my sufferings. No. I rejoice in my sufferings. Paul's making a point here. I rejoice in my sufferings. It makes me think in the book of Acts. It's in the first few chapters of the book of Acts. The apostles, they're teaching and preaching the word of God. And they get roughed up. And these Pharisees and Sadducees and the religious bunch, they're upset because they thought they did away with this Jesus. But here they are. They thought they killed Jesus. And, of course, they're hearing the rumors that he's alive and risen from the dead. And Christ, of course, walked 40 days after the resurrection on the earth. And they're hearing these rumors, and, and they're trying to shut it down. And they think, well, if we can just get rid of him, but what, the, what was the problem? Jesus produced and multiplied. And so he's got all these followers following him. This thing, oh, great. So we started off with one. Now we've got dozens and dozens. So they, they whip up on, these, on the apostles, beat them up, rough them up. And they leave, the apostles leave, rejoicing that they were worthy, counted worthy, to bear affliction or literally a beating in their body for the sake of Christ. And that's the same spirit here that Paul has. You know what? There may be a cost to me to bring this message of the gospel to you, to this church, to the church, the body of Christ. But it's a worthy cost. It's a cost I'm willing to pay. In fact, it's a cost I rejoice in paying. You know, there is a cost to ministering the Word of God, there's a cost. First, I want to say this, though. There's a cost to following Christ. Uh, Mark chapter 8 says this. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. You'll be familiar with this. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. And when Jesus had called the people to himself, his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me 
and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. Of him, the Son of Man, Jesus, also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. So Jesus is saying this, you know, it's so, I say it so many times, powerful. I'm going to have to find a synonym for powerful. It's so moving. It is so overwhelming, dare I say, powerful. It's so powerful when Jesus is saying this. Because here's the thing. Jesus has followers. He's got disciples and he's got the multitudes. They're following him. And he calls this crowd into him. And what does he say? Hey, guys, uh, I want to tell you something that you uh, totally agree with today. No, Jesus tells them the truth. In fact, in the book of John, we, we know Jesus says, I never say anything unless I hear my father first say it. I never do anything unless I see my father do it. Jesus is fulfilling a mission. He's obedient in this ministry. And so he gathers the crowd and he says, hey, you want to follow me? You're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to take up your cross. And you have to commit yourself to walk after me. Walk the walk. Talk the talk that I do. Jesus led by example, though. It's not a empty words for him. He's saying this. He's telling you and I to take up our cross metaphorically. None of us are going to have to die on the cross. You, you, don't, you understand what I'm saying. We're not going to be required by God to die on the cross. Peter, talking about a persecutions, Peter was crucified. And in fact, when he was going to be crucified, he told them, put me upside down because I'm not worthy to be crucified in the same way as my Lord and Savior. I mean, can you imagine that? What kind of guts and just holy boldness that Peter had. You know what? I'll die for this gospel. But don't, I'm not even worthy to die the same way that Christ did. Turn me upside down. And they did. They turned his cross upside down. Uh, apart from John uh, the Re Revelator, John the Beloved, of course, one and the same, but he's the one, you know, who, who's a the apostle who laid his head on the bosom of Christ at the Last Supper. Apart from John, all the other disciples, you know, Judas, he hangs himself, but then he's replaced. Uh, all the other disciples, they, they, they're, they're martyred for the gospel. They're, they're running with this word of the, of the gospel, with this saving knowledge of Christ Jesus. They're preaching it in cities. They're turning cities and nations on their head, upside down. And the book of Acts says they, these are the men that turn the world upside down. But they died for their they died for the gospel. They died for it. They gave their life. They gave their physical life rather than exchanging their eternal life and forsaking Christ. And, and that's the call of everyone that follows Jesus. You want to follow Jesus? You should. Because the reward is eternal life. The reward is his abundant life. Not just in the here and the, here, you know, in the uh, happy ever after. And the sweet by and by. It's right now. I, I Look, I'm telling you, some people talk about salvation as if it's all something saved and reserved for heaven. But that's not the truth. The Bible definition of salvation is that Christ was anointed of by the Holy Ghost to come and destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy the works of the devil, doing good everywhere he went, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Meaning that when Christ comes into your life, He destroys the works of devil of the devil. He destroys the work of sin. He returns what the locust and canker worm have eaten up. He restores and recreates and makes new spirit, soul, and body. 
Absolutely. I mean, I'm a, I'm a full gospel man. I believe God can save your spirit and soul, renew your mind, heal your body, provide every need you have of, give you um, ideas that will cause you to abound and be prosperous, give you peace and love and joy and hope, give you a blessed marriage, uh, teach you how to raise your children in the fear and the admonition of Him so that they'll live in eternity with you. I'm a full gospel man. Absolutely. But this, there's a reality here to this. There's a cost to following Christ. You're going to have to break away from the world. You can't run with the world. You can't run with some of the same people you've run with. You can't stay in the desires of the world. That's what this whole point here. Jesus is saying you're going to have to deny yourself. So there's a couple parts here, right? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. So that's inwardly. There's a cost to following Christ. Him we preach in suffering. You know, there is a suffering attached to the walk with Christ. And some of that's inward. For instance, you may have never thought of it this way. It's certainly not persecution, but think about it in the term of suffering. Um, and that word, I'm, I'm just looking right here. Sorry for the long pause. If you watch on YouTube, you can see I was still here. But on, on the podcast, I'm sorry if there's a, there was a little bit of a long pause there. Uh, but that word suffering means, you know, there, there's something that's working. There's an affliction that may be going that a Christian undergoes in behalf. This is the Strong's definition. Suffering is afflictions which Christians must undergo in behalf of the same cause which Christ patiently endured. So there, it can be inward or outward. Now think about this inwardly. When you set aside, aside time to pray, that, that's a, there's a cost to prayer, right? Don't, don't get holy on me. Oh, Brother AJ, let me tell you something. Oh, I just love to pray. I love to pray. I pray every day. I have a commitment of, of, an, of, of a specific amount of time that I pray, at least, a minimum. I have a bare minimum requirement of prayer time for myself, self-imposed, that I pray every day. And in fact, uh, I taught on a, I don't know if I've already mentioned this, I don't think I did, uh, When We Pray, or When You Pray, it's a series I taught earlier this year. If you haven't listened to it, sc- when you get done with this episode, scroll back. It's in January, and I did 12 teaching series, uh, teaching episodes, excuse me, uh, a series titled When You Pray, all about prayer. I love prayer. I don't think the body of Christ understands the power of prayer. I'm still learning the power of prayer. And what will shake our city and our nation and shake your nation? Prayer. Because prayer puts us in a place of communion with the Father. It puts us in a place that we leave the prayer closet with boldness and go into the world and affect it with the power of God's Word. Prayer is where we get endued with power by the Holy Spirit to do what task God set before us. I believe in prayer. But here's the thing. Prayer has a cost. It just does. It just does. If you're going to choose to pray, that means you're choosing to not do something else. Now, granted, it could be waste time like scrolling on your phone, watching endless, you know, those reels will never stop. You can keep scrolling Instagram and you're going to keep getting more reels. They don't stop. You're not going to get to the end like, sorry, no more reels for today. I don't know if y'all remember this. See, I'm 31, so I had a MySpace. I was pre-Facebook. Facebook came out, at least I remember it, around 2007, 2008. But I did MySpace, okay? 
And MySpace, uh, which I, I'm still, I think MySpace is the greatest social media ever because you can pick your own, you know, wallpaper for your profile. You get to pick your song. You pick your top eight. Oh, man, nostalgia, going back in the memory here. But, of course, with MySpace, you could actually scroll back. I remember because the entire world wasn't on the Internet. There wasn't a billion people on the social media like there's with Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. You know, you actually were friends with people, and you could actually scroll through and like, oh, get to the end, like, oh, I saw that post from yesterday. Never mind. I saw that status from yesterday. I'm done. I got, I'm, I'm caught up. You're not going to catch up nowadays, friend. You're just going to keep on scrolling. So if you're choosing to pray, you, even if it's something as menial, and let's be honest, a waste of time, just scrolling through Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, it's still a cost. You've still made a decision. You have still self-imposed some godly discipline, some fruit of the Spirit known as self-control, and said, instead of doing this or that, I'm going to pray. Instead of watching TV, flipping on Netflix, going through Hulu, I'm going to read my Bible. There's a cost to serving Christ. Now, you may also get some pushback and kickback. Maybe in your own home. I don't know your situation. You might be the only believer in your household. What are you doing listening to that guy talk about Jesus on that podcast? Why are you reading your Bible again? You just read it the other day. What do you mean? You, you actually believe in prayer? You kidding me? You know, these are all things that people can say to you. That's suffering for Christ. That, that's, that is a cost to Christ. That's a cost to following Christ. And, and Jesus makes this point. Look, if you're going to try to withhold your life from that type of cost, from persecution, from suffering, if you're going to try to hide yourself from it, the only way you're going to be able to do it is not follow me. Because if you follow me, it will happen. Uh, Jesus made this point. Uh, again, I, I know this is so uplifting and encouraging, right? No, it is. I shouldn't make fun. I shouldn't crack a joke. Because it's, it's the Bible. It's gospel. It's true. It's true. It's just as true as John 3.16. If you follow Christ, there's a cost to it. Now, again, I don't, I'm not trying to bring you down. I'm, I'm making you aware, just as Christ would. Because right here, he's drawing everyone to him and say, Hey, you want to follow me? Deny yourself. Pick up a cross. Follow me. You're going to have to crucify the flesh. That's a cost. You're going to have to renew your mind. You're going to have to take every thought. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. You're going to have to take every single thought thought that comes into your mind and measure it against God's word and his wisdom and say, does this agree with God's word? Because if it doesn't, I refuse to think on it. That's a cost. That takes effort. That takes a deciding factor. That's bearing up the cross. That's saying, nope, doesn't agree with God's word. Out of here. Not thinking on that. There's a cost to that. There's a cost to attending church. Let me tell you something. You need to be in a good church. If you're in the Lawrence area, come join me here at Gospel Tabernacle Church every Sunday at 10.30, every Wednesday at 7, uh, 7 p.m., not 7 a.m. If you come at 7 a.m. on Wednesday, you will come to a one-person prayer meeting yourself. <laughs> Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come join me if you're in the Lawrence area, Lawrence County area in South Carolina. You want to move here? Hey, I'll save a seat for you. Move here, buy your house here, get a good job here. I think Lawrence is the greatest place in the world to live. Myself. Love it. Small little rural southern town. But wherever you're at, you need to find a church. You need to be in a church. But think about that. There's a cost of going to church, isn't there? For me, now I'm in the ministry. 
So I've got to be, you know, one of the first people there and one of the last to leave. But for me and my family of three, me and my wife and my daughter, you know, we're out of the house 9, 9.15. We're getting at church 9.30. Service starts at 10.30. We're there till 12, 12.15 when we get out. We don't leave till about 1, 1.30. That's a cost. I mean, what could I do with four hours? In four hours, what's so awesome about living in the upstate of South Carolina? In four hours, you can either go to the beach or go to the mountains. The same amount of time. You just pick. You want to go up to the mountains or go out to the beach, east toward the beach. So in the same amount of time it takes me to go to church on one Sunday, I could drive to the mountains or drive to the beach and be there. So there's a cost. I'm making a decision. For this time, I've decided that I go to church. So I'm going to deny some pleasure to serve Christ. And and when you do that, look, your, your life, your testimony, how you live, people see how you live. People see your decisions. Your children see it. Maybe you're younger. I know. I, I was so surprised, honestly, looking on the analytics for here on the podcast. Four out of, or rather, two out of five people that listen to this channel are between the ages of 18 and 24. I'm so thankful that you listen. That's so awesome. I might sound like a dinosaur sometimes being 31, but I'm glad that you're listening. Uh, but eight out, or four out of five are uh, from 18 to 40 that are listening on the podcast. Thank you. That's so awesome. I'm so thankful. Now, if you're not in that age group, I'm still glad you're listening. I'm still glad that you're listening. I'm thankful that you're listening. But there's a cost. There's a cost. Now think about this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, it says this. But we have in this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. Here again, the Apostle Paul, he's speaking to the church in Corinth. He's talking about, hey, there's some outward persecution. There's some affliction. And the point I was making before I just read that was, your, your life is a testimony. People see your decisions. And so when you, how do you preach Christ? Well, you certainly by speaking words of truth, God's word to people, by confronting people, telling them the truth of God's word. But also your words must be backed up by the character of your life. And people see you making decisions. People, people know in my neighborhood, they know Every Sunday, every Wednesday, they were going to see us backing out of the driveway, going to church, and in a couple hours, we're coming back. They just know. I mean, my neighbors know it, right? And they, I've got good neighbors. that They're all church folk, too. I pray they're Christian folks as well, because you can be sit in a pew and not be saved, though I believe if you're in a on-fire hot church, you ain't going to sit in that pew for long and not be saved. You'll either run out or get saved one. If you're going to a church that's compromised well, then maybe you could sit in that pew your whole life and never get saved. But if you're in a church full of the anointing and the Holy Ghost, you're not going to sit there week in, week out, 
and live in sin and go to hell. <laughs> you're either gonna you're either gonna get saved or you're gonna run and leave because the anointing will drive you to that decision. But your life is a testimony. People see the decisions you make, and so here's the thing: when you make a choice to follow Christ, there's a cost to it, and that's what Paul's saying here in Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seven through twelve. Hey, look, you know what? Sometimes we're pressed, but we ain't crushed. Sometimes we're perplexed, but we're we're never in despair. Notice that. We may be hard-pressed, but not crushed. So it's going from outward to inward, right? Uh, Paul's saying, hey, we may get some pressure outwardly, but we're not crushed on the inside. We may be perplexed, but we're not in despair. That's a choice. We may be persecuted, but we're not forsaken. God's not giving up on us. Some people think, oh, well, I, you know, I'm getting, an attack. I'm getting attacked for my faith in Christ. Well, why have you forsaken me, God? No, Jesus plainly said, you'll suffer persecutions in this life. But if you give up anything for the gospel, for the gospel's sake, Mark chapter 10, if you give anything up for the gospel's sake, in this life I'll return it to you a hundredfold. There are persecutions, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure you're taken care of and bless you for it in this life. So even though we're persecuted, doesn't mean you're forsaken. We're struck down, but we are not destroyed. And we carry in Christ, in us, in our bodies, the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ and the life of Jesus. How do you carry the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ? By denying the flesh, by crucifying the flesh, by submitting your mind to the truth of God's Word. That's what it looks like to be like Christ. Submit to the truth. Obey the Word of God. Follow the unction and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And that may cause some outward pressure. But that's okay, because we also carry the life of Christ in us. Uh, this is another, just a few chapters over in the same book, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4. Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I'm filled with comfort, and I'm exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. Paul's saying here, Man, I'm so happy. I'm so bold to speak the truth of God. I'm so bold to speak the truth towards you. In other words, you Corinthian church, I love you. I'm boasting. I'm bragging on you. I'm filled with joy. I'm comforted. And it's okay, even though I'm experiencing some tribulation. Even though I'm experiencing some tribulation. Because it's worth it to see you repent, dealing with the Corinthian church. You see that you've gotten things straightened out in your church. But it's worth it. It's worth the bear of this tribulation. I'm happy. I'm happy. Verse 5, For indeed, when we come to Macedonians, our bodies had no rest. But we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts. Inside were fears. Nevertheless, God who comforts us, the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. So God's going to send people. You know, Him we preach in sufferings. You, when you are preaching and witnessing and living this life that God has commanded you to live, and you're bringing people to Christ, God's not going to forsake you. He's not going to leave you alone. Because right here in this example, Titus, another man of God that's serving under Paul, he comes and joins up with them. And that brought them consolation. That brought them comfort. That made them on fire. It made them joyful. 
God will send you people along the way to comfort you and pick you up and walk side by side with you and strengthen you. That's why it's so important for you to be in a good, spirit-filled, faith-filled church surrounded by other men and women and, and young men and young women that are full of the fire of God and full of the Holy Spirit. You've got to be surrounded by people who believe in God and are turned on to the things of God so that when things get, when there's some pressure and there's some kickback, you've got one another to rely on, one another to, to encourage one another. We're responsible for encouraging one another. Hey, look, I know it's tough, man, but we're going to keep on going. We're going to keep on doing what God's told us to do. We're going to keep pushing forward. Hey, look, I know the coworkers on the job, you know what, that they're ragging us, but we're going to keep doing our thing, and God's going to provide favor for us. He's going to cause us to excel in, the business, in our job, on our job site. And these people who were mocking us, one of two things is what we're going to believe to happen. Either they'll get saved and no longer be mockers, or that God will remove them. But we're going to keep standing up for Christ. We're going to keep standing up for the truth of the God's Word. We're going to keep declaring what God has said and know that it's true. And there's a cost to that. All right, second point, I want you to see this. Second point for today's episode. Looks like this is going to be a three-part episode. So make sure if you haven't subscribed to the Faith for My Generation podcast channel that you do that. Go ahead and subscribe so that you don't miss parts two and three. Second point that we're going to cover today in this episode, Him We Preach become a servant. Now I want you to see this. Colossians chapter 1 verse 24 talks about how Paul said he rejoiced in his sufferings. Then this next part in verse 25 he makes this point. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship, the dispensation, the administration from God which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Now that word minister, you might think, well I'm not a minister. And in the you know, can we say classical sense of like a pastor or a preacher or an evangelist or in, in that sense of ministry. But really that word in the Greek, in the original language, verse 25, it would be better read this, and of which I became a servant. And some translations translate it that way. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. But verse 25, of which I became a servant. A servant, a, a an attendant. Think of it like a server. You know, you go out to eat somewhere and you have a waiter or a waitress. You have a server. Someone that who comes and, hey, you need something. What would you like to eat? They bring it to you. What would you like to drink? They bring it to you. You need refills. You need napkins. You need silverware. Would you like any dessert? Is there anything else I can do for you? Is the food good? They're waiting. They're serving you. That's what we become to Christ. If you're going to tell people about Jesus, you're going to have to become a servant. It doesn't matter what your position is in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us that the body of Christ literally is the body of Christ. And just like anybody, we've got fingers, we've got hands, arms, we've got eyes, ears, nose, all, you know, knee bone connected to my hip bone, whatever. <laughs> You've got all these body parts, and the body of Christ is the same in that there are many members. There's many people. And God has called many into the kingdom of God. And there's many people that he's gifted and talented. And what you can do for Christ is different than what I can do for Christ. And the people that you can reach are different people than I can reach. I think that's so powerful. I think that's why some people miss this. 
Well, you know, my my, my preach. I mentioned this. My my pastor, they'll he'll he'll win them all to well win all the lost to Christ. He'll he'll take care of it for me. Your pastor will never probably will never come in contact with the people you work with. Think about it. I, I'm here in Lawrence. Okay, I, I do mainly all my business and and work and and visiting here in this area, Lawrence County. But I got people in our church that work in Anderson. I'm not going to see any people in Anderson unless I specifically drive up to go to Anderson and look for people to talk to. But they're going there five, six days a week, working around eight, nine hundred people. Okay. There's your mission field. There's your mission field. I'm a 31-year-old man. I don't walk the halls of middle schools that much. You'll get in trouble if you do that. (laughs) Thank the Lord I've had an open opportunity to go minister at Lawrence High School, my alma mater, for the FCA on Thursdays. Been doing that once a month for the past several months. I love it. I enjoy it. I thank God for the opportunity. I pray it increases. But guess what? One Thursday per month is not the same as you being a junior, senior, sophomore at the high school walking around there eight hours a day, five days a week. And then extracurricular activities, playing sports, doing this and that. That's your mission field. If you're a student, a lot of y'all that are listening are students in high school and college. That's your mission field, your school, your peers, those people around you. You go work out of the Y, you go to the gym, there's your mission field. You have people that you're going to come in contact with that your pastor, the, the your favorite evangelist that you like listening to on YouTube, that they'll never hear him, but they'll hear you. They'll see you. So you have to get this mindset that I'm a servant to Christ. Well, what are we serving? Verse 25, I become a servant according to the stewardship from God which is given to me to fulfill the word of God. We have this spirit of service that we're going to serve King Jesus. We count Christ worthy enough to serve him with our lives. You know, we don't give Jesus lip service. Jesus can can see through lip service. Jesus, you're my Lord. Okay, serve me. Do what I command you to do. Live according to my word and precepts. Listen to my voice. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And when I say, hey, go tell that person about me and what I'm doing in your life, you do it. See, a servant is only a good servant if he does what's required of them. I was reading this just the other day. I believe it was in the book of Luke. It's in several of the Gospels, but the one I was reading is the book of Luke. Jesus is making this point that there's these servants, and he says, you know what? The servants, when they do what's required of them, they'll say, Lord, we don't deserve any praise or appreciation. We've only done what you asked us to do. It's our job. A servant does it, a good servant just does what's required of them. And as a Christian, you and I are required to fulfill the word of God, which is to preach and proclaim the word of God, to share the goodness of God, to share the testimony of Christ and what he's done in our lives to people we encounter with. You know, lots of times people think about, well, I'm going to serve the Lord, and they think they need this big title. Well, you know, I would serve in the church, but I don't have a title then you'll never serve. <laughs> I made a joke to someone that uh, this was before I you know, moved in this position of pastoring and becoming ordained and doing all that that took that. And, 
and it all based on the call of God that I knew was on my life. But I, someone said something. Well, you, you work here, don't you? I said, I'm just a pastor of urinals. Of course, urinals is the, the upright toilets in the men's bathroom. I'm just a pastor of urinals. I, 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 I've done landscaping around the church here before summer's passed. Hey, you work here? Man, I just cut the grass. <laughs> I just cut the grass, man. I don't need a title. I'm I'm a I'm a Christian. I follow Christ. I'm a Jesus follower. That's my title. Put on my tombstone. A follower of Jesus. AJ Bible. A follower of Jesus. AJ Bible. Here lies a man that followed Jesus. That's the title I need. A friend of God. A son of God. A servant of Christ Jesus. A member of the kingdom of heaven. That's the title I need. That's that. I mean, I'm all for honor. I honor men and women of God, called of God. Don't do not think I don't honor people. Let me tell you something. I honor and revere men and women who are in ministry, who are called to the minister, as the Bible tells us we should. I honor people. I, I I'm not saying you don't honor the people that God's called to lead and guide you in life. Your pastor, evangelist, preachers, teachers, prophets, apostles. Angeles. I'm not saying you don't want to honor those people. What I'm saying is, if you feel like you're going to have to have someone come tell you and, and lay, you know, a big old Bible and go, in Jesus' name, you're a soul winner. Bye. Which, if you're not watching the video on YouTube or Spotify, uh, I lunge forward with my Bible and um, imaginarily hit you, the listener, in the head with it and deemed you a soul winner. If you need something special like that to happen, then you've not taken on this heart of, I'm a servant to Christ Jesus. But Paul's saying this, I have become a servant. I'm a servant. I wrote this, I'm a servant of God. The Lord has much He desires to do, and it must be done through His servants. Anything that God's going to do on the earth, He's going to do it through the body of Christ. There's many reasons why Jesus came to the earth, of course, to provide salvation. But among other reasons, Christ came so that he could save people, redeem people, so that we, you and I, that have been saved and redeemed, could go and tell other people and bring them into the kingdom. And Jesus was making this point in Mark chapter 10, verse 35. It says this, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want to know, to, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Now that's a loaded question. Jesus, Lord, we want you to do whatever you whatever we ask you. And so Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Verse 37, they said to him, grant us. Make it where we sit beside you, one on your right hand and one on your left in glory. Verse 38, Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? And they said to him, oh yeah, we're able. Yeah, yeah. So Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink. And with the baptism I'm baptized, you will be baptized. And he's speaking of the persecution that was to come. That they would lay out their life for the gospel just as he, he did for the sins of the world. Verse 40, but to sit on my right hand and my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. Verse 41 and when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. Verse 42. 
But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever you have desires to be the first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The Spirit of Christ, as a Christian, you have the Spirit of Christ in you, the Holy Spirit. And, the, and have that thinking and the thought and the mind of Christ is one of humility and one of service. Now, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself in right position. I'm not better and I'm not worse, but I'm not better than anyone else. That if God asks me to do something, I'll do it. I'm not going to be so prideful to say, well, Lord, I don't want to. Lord, I will call someone else. If God's called me, he'll equip me. And if God has said that we, you and I are called to preach Christ, to tell people about Jesus, understand when I say him we preach, or rather the Bible says it, that word preach, that means to proclaim or make known. I don't want you to hear the word preach and automatically think just what your pastor does in the pulpit on Sundays, Wednesdays, whenever. I want you to know that when you hear that word preach, it means to proclaim or make known or tell someone. And the Spirit of Christ is to be a minister, to be a servant. And Jesus is saying, if you want to preach me, or Paul's saying this, if you want to preach Christ, well, Jesus said there in Mark 10, if you want to be like me, you need to come in the same spirit that I've come, which is one of a servant. If you want to come and do the work that I've done, you have to come in the same likeness and spirit that I have, which is one of a servant. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 says this, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Verse 4, Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Being part of the body of Christ means looking out for one another, but also the interest of others. You've got to care enough for people who are dead in sin on their way to eternal damnation in a place called hell to stop and say, you know what, I'm going to serve them. I'm going to be a servant to Christ, and I'm going to be a servant to this person, not because they deserve it, but because I too was once in their position. I was dead in sin just like they were. And someone told me about Jesus, even though I didn't deserve it. But they chose to serve Christ, and also they served me by telling me about Jesus. You have to have that spirit of Christ, which is right here. Because the next verse says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The mind of Christ is one that is humble and through humility exalted. Christ It goes on to say in that chapter of Philippians 2, Christ humbled himself, Lord of all, but became a man of flesh, obedient unto death. He humbled himself and the Father exalted him above every name. How how is it that the name of Jesus is above every name in heaven, 
earth or in hell? Because Christ humbled himself. He came to the earth to be a man, or excuse me, well, he did to be a man, emptied himself to be as a man, but he came to the earth to be a servant, and the Father exalted him. You want to go high in the kingdom of God? Humble yourself. Uh, the book of James talks about that. God actively wars against or resists the proud, but he exalts the humble. When you set yourself out to be, Lord, I'm going to be a servant in your kingdom. I know I'm a son. I know I'm a friend of you, but I also want to be a servant and serve you, Lord. When you get that spirit of a servant in your heart that I'm serving Jesus by telling someone about what Christ has done in my life, when I tell people about Jesus, I'm serving him. I'm honoring Christ. I'm giving my King and my Lord worship when I tell people about Jesus. That changes the way you think because then you realize I'm only doing what's required of me. Soul winning, witnessing, telling people about Jesus, it is a big deal. But honestly, it's just the natural walk. It's just part of what a Christian does. You're actually an abnormal Christian if you're not telling people about Jesus. Now, that may you might think, oh, wow, that kind of hurts. That kind of hit me. Sideways, AJ, that's kind of rough. Look in the Bible. Find a, find a New Testament example of a Christian that didn't tell people about Christ. The book of Acts, it says that they went about from house to house telling people about Christ and that the Word of God multiplied and increased mightily. It said that their numbers grew. I mean, from 120 to 3,000, thousands more saved. I mean, just multiplicative increase. Of course, by the power of the Holy Spirit, but somebody had to say something. The Holy Spirit convicts the hearts of men and women. The Holy Spirit draws people to Christ. But it's on the work or the ministry of God's Word that the Holy Spirit works. Give God something to work with. You All right, think about it. You've got a co-worker. You've got a, stu a fellow friend that's a student someone you sit beside in class, someone in your home, you've got a friend, you're not, you're not their judge, but you can see by the fruit of their life, they don't live for Jesus. Pray to God, Lord, I'm looking for an opportunity to tell them about your word. Maybe it takes one, two, three, four times, but I want to be a laborer. As Jesus said in Matthew 9, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. Think about that. We're talking about becoming a servant. Pray to the Lord of Harvest, Matthew 9, 38. Pray to the Lord of the Harvest to send forth laborers. Send forth servants, God. And when you pray that prayer, understand you can be the answer to that prayer. Lord, I want to be a laborer in your field, for the harvest is plentiful. We can look out in the world and see the harvest is plentiful. In other words, there's plenty of people that need Jesus. Lord, count me as a laborer in your fields. And pray that prayer, Lord. Give me someone I can lead to Christ. I'm going to tell you something. If you've never led someone to Christ, once you do it, you will feel a joy that is out of this world. It's not a natural joy. When you allow the Holy Spirit to work through you and you lead someone to Christ, you witness Christ and they receive Him as their Lord, it will be a joy that you have never felt before in your life. Truly a heavenly presence, a supernatural joy will fill your life. And I pray you become addicted to it.
that you become addicted to soul winning. I'm telling you, I pray you become addicted to soul winning. Because that's the natural part. Just like prayer, just like reading your Bible, winning people to Christ is just as natural and necessary to the walk of a believer, to being a Christian, to being a follower of Jesus Christ. Hey, I'm finishing up today. I'm thankful that you've joined me. It looks like it's going to be two more parts at least. So this was part one of the series, Him We Preach. Make sure that you join me next Thursday for part two. Of course, every Monday I've got a wake-up call for you. Short devotional quick hit. It's here on the podcast channel, which if you haven't subscribed, go ahead and subscribe. Hey, leave me a five-star review as well. That helps me move up in the rankings so that I can tell more people about Jesus. Help me, help me tell more people about Christ. I'm asking you to help me tell more people about Christ. And one way one of the ways you can do that, it's just it's just how it works. There's these logarithms you may have heard, whether it's social media podcasting. There's just these logarithms and the formulas that when there's activity, it bumps you up, makes you more present and served out on more people's phones and iPhones and computers and tablets. So help me out there. If you're watching this uh, on YouTube, I'm growing out the YouTube channel there slowly but surely, but mainly focusing on the podcast, on Instagram, on TikTok, and I'm on Facebook as well. Uh, however you're listening or hearing to this, I'm thankful that you are listening. And remember, we are the faithful. I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you. And every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.